Right. Get your, uh, get your act together. Oh, what type of juice have you got? Vimptone Ice. Oh, wow, Ice. Must be bougie up there. I'm just saying, I like to live well. I've got Robinsons, because I think Robinsons is the goat. Robinsons? Robinsons? What flavour? Blackcurrant. Oh, I like the orange and mango. That's pretty good. I prefer the cheaper versions that you get that you used to get like score discos and stuff. You know, like the proper cheap stuff. It's like yeah, but that's that's because that was radioactive. Oh like, yeah, it's like absolutely full of sugar. Nothing. I don't know what was in it to make it like that luminous. Sick. Probably, it was definitely like just radioactive waste. Do you, know really my, uh, do you know what my favorite meal was as a child? Sunday roast. No, hate no, 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 no. No offense to my mum's, but no, it was a glass of that orange juice, a packet of crisps, and a ham sandwich, but with the cheapest wafer ham you could get on cheap white bread with margarine. That was my favorite, because my mum would always try and buy me like good ham and like brown healthy bread and all this sort of stuff and all I ever wanted was like the cheapest of all of it that's all you wanted was that too oh. much fast for yeah and it was because like, I used too, to I used to go around reach for a little boy's dream <laughs> I, w- I won't name names but I used to go around my friend's house and maybe their parents didn't buy as good a quality meat as my did I don't talk to her anymore I think I talked to her and I was like between the ages of six and ten um and every time I went around her house her mum would give me that exact thing and it was like all cheap and nasty stuff like no offense to her but it was like really cheap margarine you know you get like massive like two liter tubs of it it's like a pound it was that sort of stuff oh, I loved it I was I was at a birthday party once when everyone else was eating cake I asked for more ham sandwiches I remember that Whose birthday party was it? I can't say. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> I can't say. They're in witness protection. <laughs> I can tell you that it was around 2008 because then we played the Sonic and Mario Olympic Games on the Wii. Do you remember oh, that? Sounds like a cracking birthday party all around. It was absolutely sick. Ham sandwiches and Sonic. It was amazing. Hello and welcome to episode <laughs> four. Yep, Maybe. episode four of the Tinfoil Shed pod. Thank you for joining. You might want to catch up on last week's because this week we're going to be ending our top 10 lists of films. I think we've both got four each left. I apologise for last week. Um, I don't know if you could notice, but I think I had the flu. I was like, just not here. Like I was just constantly, every time I wasn't talking, I muted my mic and I was just like spewing out phlegm. Don't think it was COVID, but it wasn't good, whatever it was. Um, so I'm going to be much more high energy this week. Barney can't remember which ones he hasn't hasn't said. I've got a list of mine, but thank you. Um, have you been up to anything nice in the last two weeks, Barney? Just drug abuse. Fair, fair. Always fun. I I've bought some Orton hemp milk this morning. Hemp. Orton hemp milk. Okay. Purely because it hemp? said hemp. Uh, well, hemp, hemp they used to make like clothes and things. Well, isn't hemp like the plant of marijuana, but doesn't contain any of the? Yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, you can make claws. You can make loads of shit with it. You can make oat milk, apparently. Nice. And, I, and you like, know, what? it's going to be the next magic material that you can do anything with. Is, is it going to be the new plastic? It's going to be the new bamboo that we learn in sort of eighty years' time is just destroying <laughs> the planet. Oh. 
I thought you were going to go sustainable because you know if you got any bamboo like socks and underwear. No. Crap. I know it's good for the environment and all, but they, and I'm not saying I have smelly bits, but my that that underwear smells so much more than any other underwear I have. Are you, are you regretting the bamboo thong you bought? <laughs> you know what? It wasn't the best thing I ever did. <laughs> the bamboo crotchless panties <laughs> that you bought. I told you not to. It was just just out there. Had the bamboo pegs as well for the nipples. Oh, good time. Um, but yeah, wouldn't recommend that. Uh, what what news is out this week? Did you watch One Division? No, not yet. That'll be next week's podcast. That's something to look forward to. I did actually quite enjoy it. Uh, I went to a funeral in between the last is podcast. It? That wasn't very fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was just sat. I was just sat thinking of what we could talk about on the podcast. I was like, you know what? This will be a funny anecdote. I'm glad I brought it up. What were you going to say, were, Barney? As you were welling with emotion. You're like, no one's like, save it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I'm doing a little prayer. Fuck. Well, when we were all sat in the church, um, because obviously we were wearing masks and you couldn't like wipe or blow your nose, like everyone in my family said they had noses so blocked they couldn't breathe out of them. So there was no COVID getting out. I, I am very happy to say that I don't think I got COVID. Because I don't know where I would have got it from. Yeah. I mean, and I, I just <laughs> I just think that's... I think if everyone blocked up their noses, you wouldn't... If if you blocked up your nose, you wouldn't... You can be an uh, old person at the shop and have your mask underneath your nose. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't recommend that. That's not advice to be followed. Oh, no. I am in no way a doctor or any medical professional. Um... Yet, that is true. There's still yes. time. I imagine if I became a doctor, probably no, like a I, I faint at the sight of blood. If anyone doesn't know, you know, that's actually a medical thing. There's a thing that means that if someone is can see blood or is described like a gory situation and they get lightheaded and faint, that's not a pussy thing, that's a medical thing. No, I, it's I, called being a beta male, it's not called being a beta male, it's a medical and it, thing, and it's chronic. What does that mean? It's like it's very bad. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. your case is also terminal. Oh, so fuck. Get used to it. <laughs> terminal bitch. beta male. Can I just point out? Actually, no, I don't want to bring that up on the podcast. No. I was going to point out the alpha beta male having sex with women thing, but that's not something I want to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> <coughs> oh, oh. Have you got COVID yet? Not that I know of. Have you heard, well, you're in a different country, but have you heard of the um, government's new idea to give everyone who gets COVID £500? That can't be true. That Well, it was an idea that they had, but I think it's one of those things where they, they, they would say it to see what the public thinks and go, nah, nah, that was fake if we didn't like it. would you, If they started giving £500 to people who got COVID, would you get COVID? I don't believe, I don't, I I would never believe that would happen. Well, I, I no, the the money. idea of it was that if you got COVID, they give you the five hundred pounds to stay home instead of maybe work pay or something. Ah. Uh, so if you stayed home for those two weeks, they'd give you the five hundred pounds. But so if that was the case, and your friend round the corner had COVID, would you go and lick his face? Maybe. Obviously, we don't know the long-lasting effects of COVID. That is that is also true. 
But yeah, it, that was, it, that it was could some... it could be, you know, lead to being a beta male. It could lead to being a beta male. We could have just a world full of beta males. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's that sounds like a world the SJWs want, Barney. Not on my watch. <laughs> well, after this fantastic news, um, I'll put my arms down so you can't see the stretch marks on them. After this fantastic news, I think we should jump in to the rest of our top 10 films. If you can't remember, last week I talked about Black Swan, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Hot Fuzz, La La Land, Okja, and The Boat That Rocked. And Barney, what films did you talk about last week? Oh, Zach, you tell me. I will tell you. You talked about some Nike Studio Ghibli film. You talked about The Nice Guys. You talked about Shaun of the Dead, not Scott Pilgrim. And I thought that you were going to talk about Into the Spider-Verse, but that's on the one top 100 list on IMDb, is, and you're not allowed to talk about it. That is the only film I had to um, leave off my list. I had to leave a few off my list. And, I had to leave was, off. That was a film that I was like, that, I think that could be my favourite film ever. Fair enough, fair enough. The more more I, like, respect it as a film. I had to leave off Inception, The Dark Knight, Parasite, Whiplash, Into the Spider-Verse, Raids of the Lost Ark, Inglorious Bastards, Amelia and Jaws. That's a a whole list there. Yeah, literally. But I also, I'm like... Is is your top ten list, is this just your backup list? (laughs) <laughs> uh, well they were also very obvious choices and we all know how much i love to be a little indie film student so i don't want to make my list too obvious so i did want to throw a few in there that would make me look cooler so you googled a few obscure foreign films <laughs> uh, my favorite film is <laughs> just kidding i'd never have a french film on my list actually amelia was french um but yes barney can't remember what he had last week but on my list i've ticked off scott pilgrim slash sean studio ghibli neek flushed away and the nice guys mm-hmm. well should we continue where we left off i do you want to go first well do you, we, we finished last time by bringing up rock of ages was it rock of ages yep mad i mean yeah we can continue talking about rock of ages if you'd like to <laughs> The greatest film of all time. Um, it is. I, I yeah, I do like really like Rock of Ages. I, I'm not a, like. There's not that many musicals that I like. I've seen, um, well, Rock of Ages, La La Land, Rocket Man. Is that um, is that a musical? It I've is, but it's shit. It. Do you want to know a fun? Yeah, I love Rocket Man. You, what was the first thing you said when we came out of Rocket Man? Um, I can't remember. We walked out of the cinema as everyone was trailing out, quite quiet, still chatting. But I turned around and the top of his voice went, I never knew Elton John was gay. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of people that looked, the amount of people. <laughs> they were like, that kid got something wholly different from this film that we got. What a twist. I never saw that. <laughs> that, that could be an M. Night Shyamalan twist, you know. Um, but I'm trying to look up who was in Rock of Ages, and because I love the scene of who is it? It's Russell Brand and Alec Baldwin. Alec well. Baldwin, oh, yeah. and they have the the love scene when two become one, mm-hmm. and then it's uh, Tom Cruise, isn't it? Yeah, Tom the big Cruise rock star. Yeah, the, the um, 
the parody. Who's he the parody of Axel Rose, I think. Oh, is that who it is? I don't know anything about rock. Oh. This film well, has yeah. it blends rock music fantastically. It is really good. What's my I, I listen to the soundtrack all the time, and I think my two favourite ones are uh, jukebox hero, uh, uh, and I can't remember what's that partnered with. But it's like jukebox hero, put another dime in the jukebox, baby. That, mm. and then uh, yeah, something like we that. built this city, and we're not going to take, take it. Fantastic. Yeah, it is good. It is good. I, I I did have the the Alec Baldwin Russell Howard Russell Howard no, <laughs> Russell, Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. <laughs> <laughs> that was a different video I watched. That was a very different video. Yeah, I did have that spoiled on t- TV. Oh. I used to work at, I used to work at the Chinese. I turned the telly on. That scene was on. <laughs> and you were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, well, because uh, I, I remember you telling me about it. Yeah. And I turned it on. I was like. Do you know what? I think this is that film Zach was telling me about, and then they just like just kiss each other, start eloping. Like, as soon as I saw that film, the first thing I thought was you. Not that particular scene before anyone gets that into the head, but that the first thing I thought was you. What Freudian shit is going on here? Well, there's already been some fan art. <laughs> Do you know the theory of La La Land? Um. I think you've told me, but tell me again. There's the theory that it's two films. Because at the midpoint, it goes black on them, and then it opens up like old films used to do. So there's a theory that it's one one film's a musical, and one film's a serious film about music. Mm. Um, obviously, it's quite... Without having, like parts of the film to show it's difficult to explain yeah. but search it up on youtube it's very interesting but yeah i will That'll you be should the first thing i do when i, I think i saw it on podcast. tiktok well the first thing you should do in the finish this podcast barney is go to tinfoil shed pod on instagram and give us a follow because we're trying to hit 100 followers 100 followers insane oh <laughs> things you can do with 100 people you could we could all say one number each and count to 100. What a fun group bonding activity. We could give out 100 of the same biscuit and get a sample of who likes it. Yep, can't think of it. We could all write one-tenth of my essay. I don't think I've done the maths right there. A tenth? Well, then you'd have 10 essays by the end of it. How, what's... No, don't tell me. What's 100 times 10? Thousand. Would well, you want me to tell you or not? Yeah, tell me now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. well, well, we could all do two tenths of one of my essays. That would be pretty fun. Two tenths. Why? why well, my essays are two thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How so long do you? That... How long would you think an essay is as someone who didn't go to uni? I don't know. They're all sort of just until you run out of waffle. Really, that's all. Oh no, that's a, yeah, that's 100% what mine is. I would like everyone to know that today I completed semester one of uni, three days into semester two. <laughs> wow, really keeping on top of things there. What? What, I'm an academic, Barney, what can I say? Did I tell you about the heated emails I had with one of my professors uh, a few weeks ago? Oh, how heated? Is this like Not an a- angry heated or just a... Not, I like to exaggerate. <laughs> it was, we were talking about having to reference things and I was a bit upset because 
because basically I'd thought of an original idea, which obviously not many people do. And I wrote this original idea and he was like, oh, well, you actually have to reference like evidence for that idea. And I was like, oh, well, the people in this article didn't do that. And he was like, yeah, but they're like doctorate PhD people. And I am upset because I think I should be equal. Why am I original thoughts? Can you explain this idea? So I write an essay where I have to talk about two American independent films. So like with any form of art, I picked, so I like got this bit of film and I was like, I think this scene tells us this. And I give my thoughts on what I thought the filmmakers were trying to do with this particular film, a scene in the film, sorry. And basically I didn't evidence, I didn't like use any, I didn't find anyone who agreed with my argument for it. And it actually went against some of the scholars' arguments. So then I was told, so like... You're, you're, you're redefining our understanding of emotion. The movie Kids. Film. Do you want me to tell you about the movie Kids that I had to watch? Yep. This is a, there's a trigger warming here for underage sex, suicide and rape. Just a few trigger warnings. Um, so this film is about a boy who this isn't in my top 10 list by the way i just had to do my essay on this this film is about a boy who is 14 and he likes to deflower um young girls he likes to take their virginities that's his thing so at the beginning of the film we see him having sex and it's set within 24 hours and there's him who likes going around and deflowering girls and the main aim of his uh film is to go and have sex with this girl who's 12 and there is another main character who's a girl and there's another main character who's a girl and she and her friend go to the sex clinic and uh, basically the slend is the, the slend the friend is portrayed to be like a massive like slender man <laughs> shut up i can't talk well um slender man turned his life around <laughs> and became a sexual health advice <laughs> 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 so these two girls go to Slenderman at the clinic and one of them is portrayed to be a massive um, air quotes slag. I would never use that term. And one of them is supposed to be like, she's only had sex with one boy, blah, blah, blah. So the girl who's had sex loads of different times never uses protection. She's clean and she's fine. Oh, sorry, my microphone just changed there. And the girl who'd only had sex with one person who is actually the 14-year-old boy ends up being contracted with HIV. So the whole film, she is trying to catch up with him to tell him to stop having sex because obviously it's a time before mobile phones. It's set in like the 90s and he's going around and having sex. What a time before a mobile phone? <laughs> I don't believe it. I do not know how they did it back then. Um, so we're watching him spreading HIV, which isn't fun. And then she's trying to catch up with him and his goal is to have sex with this 12-year-old, which is problematic enough. So then we get to the end of the film where he's had sex with this person, give them HIV. She wasn't quick enough to tell him, but instead she she catches the mid-act but doesn't stop it. She's like a bit drunk, so she just goes and sits on a sofa where that boy's friend, um, the end of the film is a three and a half minute rape scene where we see the friend then contract HIV off the girl. It's not wow. fun. Yeah, it's not it's not a fun movie. And, th and this is your top comedy of the year. <laughs> this is Kids 1995, and I had to write about it in my recent university essay. Thank you. <laughs>
No, I mean, well, it, it's a bit. I don't want to get into it now, but it's a peculiar one because it takes in because there's a film called Mid Nineties that I've watched that was directed by Jonah Hill. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I wasn't a massive fan of that because there's like a twelve or thirteen year old boy in that who shags this girl. And it's all a bit peed on. I didn't really like it. And I was like, oh, like that didn't do well. I found that really strange and really unsettling. But then I watched this, which had been portrayed to us as like not not an important film, but this is like uh like oh, this is an example of like classic American independent film. And it was like uh like got good thingies by critics. Like obviously there was people that didn't like it, but yeah, it's given me a whole new approach on that sort of thing because I did not like mid nineties because of the underage sex. To such an extent. Shut up. Right. Let's I might I might even cut all this out. <laughs> this is this was an awful thing to bring up. You know what? This might just be a clip on the Instagram. No, I'm not gonna put this on Instagram. Barney, what is your first film of the top ten? Well. Oh, so many to pick from. Do you know what? A film I think is just the my probably my favorite feel-good film. Go on. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Right, fair enough. Um, Explain the plot. Uh, um, the plot is there's a 14 year old boy. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even say it. Like oh God! Oh no! I'm gonna bring it up so much that you have to make it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Oh no! But then I look like a weirdo I'll just making lots of. You just be like fourteen-year-old boy. <laughs> oh shit! Well, uh, most people know Ferris Bueller, but go on, you prick. Um. So anyway, he likes taking girls' virginities. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not funny. <laughs> this is not funny. I'm trying to eat. <laughs> I do, we I do not endorse this. Okay, so Ferris Bueller is a high school kid who's right. coming towards the end of his high school career. Um. And he, he he doesn't like it. He just wants to he just wants to live and be free to do what he wants when he wants to do it. This sounds a lot and like he, you. And he um he bunks off school, convinces his best mate to bunk off, who is um very, you know, um anxious and you know, uptight and got a very nervous. long face. He does. Um he, um and he's just he he's um very reluctant to, but he convinces them to anyway. And then they like get his girlfriend out of school by some tomfoolery. I used to have a crush on her so much when I was younger um, watching it. I don't know. I don't know the actor's name. I don't know. You know what? I'll you carry on. I'll search it up. And um, and then they just you know explore the Chicago where they live, drive around, just you know have a good time. It's just at the end of the day, it's just a story of three friends and just living their life and having fun. It is a very, very cute film, to be fair. Like, it is really, really good. It's by, um, what's called, John Hughes, and he did, like, all the top teen films at that decade, didn't he? He did, like, Breakfast Club, that. Mm. He did loads of them. Yeah, 
I was um, weird science. Than this. I don't like Bre- Breakfast Club. I can see why you don't like it, but it's one of those. It's one of those films where if you go in and you just, you know, in the wrong headspace, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it's Ferris Bueller's obviously Matthew uh, Broderick. Cameron is Alan Rook, and Mia, the girlfriend, is S L A. S-L-O-A-N-E, Sloan? Sloan Peterson? Sloan? I don't know. So Something to that extent. I'm, I probably butchered that name, but that they're, they're the three main ones. And obviously, Ed Rooney, who is uh, Jeffrey Jones, the principal. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he might be my favourite character. He Doesn't he play the he principal in a few of them? Is he, um, the, is he the principal in Breakfast Club? I couldn't tell you, to be honest. I feel well. He he fits the he. I th- I thought he was a real principal. I put it that way. He did he did a very very good job. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I have a love hate relationship with those like eighties teen films because there's a few I like and there's a few I hate. But I, I think this one's a good one. And as as someone that was never alive in the eighties, it really catches like captures the eighties like ghost really well. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, would you say you were born in the wrong decade? I was born in the wrong generation, Zach. Oh, for fuck's sake. What can I say? Which, which generation would you like to have been born in? Oh. 1930s? Mm. I don't know. I mean, if, if I was born in the 30s, I'd be fighting the Second World War. Which I know you've always dreamed of doing. Yeah, but it's just, what if I was, what if I was born on the Allies' side? That would just... <laughs> oh, God. Do. <laughs> that was good one. That got me, you know. That was good. What, what, what if I went back in time and still never realised my dream of running uh, outfits? God, might need to edit that one out. <laughs> do, you, do, do you need a. Are you wanting a career in the media in the future? Because this might not be the best way of getting one. Um, I you never know, Zach. You never know what kind of job Ali's going to need to keep open. <laughs> in this economy this bloody right? economy but yes I also love um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off but I don't think I would go as far as to put it in my top 10 list should I shoot yep I'll go with my favourite good uh, feel good film of all time which is Chef did I talk about that last week no Chef is the film. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think it was his debut, but it stars, and I think it was written and directed by John Favreau. Mm. Oh, yeah. I just see this pop up on your Instagram. Yeah. I put so last week on my GoPrand on Instagram. If no, if you don't follow it, I do, I do like a Fat Friday film club where I recommend a film to watch every week. And I did this one. Yeah. It was written and directed by John Favreau, and it has like. Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson, things like that. It came out in 2014, so it's definitely not his debut because he'd already done like Iron Man and shit by then. But it's a story of a head chef who quits his restaurant job and he buys a food truck in an effort to reclaim um, some of his like culinary creativity um, while trying to piece back together his estranged family. And it's a classic film where the guy writes and directs it and he casts a supermodel as his ex-wife and then throws in a line, and he's like, oh, after the divorce, I got really fat and hairy. <laughs> and it's like, it's so funny. I think, like, the ex-wife might be the 
Uh, I promised I looked like Brad Pitt before. <laughs> Literally, there's I a promise. line like that in it. But I love this film because it is like you can't help but feel really, really good after it. But honestly, you know how they talk about like dialogue in film? This film feels like they were just filming two friends going around in a food truck. Like, it doesn't feel like it was written off a page. It genuinely feels like they were just recording two mates having a good time. I can't describe it, but when I was watching it, I remember turning to Josh and I was like, this could be like a live stream. I was like, the way that they're talking, the way the dialogue flows, I think John Favreau is absolutely fantastic at that. What is this on? on Um, You have to rent it, unfortunately, or buy the Blu-ray, which I have, uh, because it's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, because normally I like to choose stuff that's on um, different things so you can watch it. But this isn't on anywhere, which I don't know why. But I know that he has a Netflix special of the same name. So don't get confused with that. Because okay. that's more like a documentary type thing. That's a, that's a bit of a strange choice for names. Yeah. It's almost as bad as the Nintendo's DS shenanigans that they pulled. What DS? What? I think Xbox is way worse with the like, Xbox S, Xbox X. Oh, yeah, that, that is confusing. But think about the DS. You had the DS, yeah. DS Lite, yeah. DSi, yeah. DSi XL, yeah. 3DS, yeah. 3DS XL, new 3DS, new 3DS XL. New 3DS is a stretch. 2DS, new 2DS. Stretch. And then that's all we have so far. <laughs> the Switch. <laughs> Wii, Wii U. The, see, no, the biggest downfall of the Wii U is because, I, I mean, I did at the time. I think everyone just thought it was an add-on on the Wii. I'm, I got a Wii U, and then I watched the E3 presentation probably a year after I had a Wii U. Mad. I was confused about what a Wii U was after watching that. What the fuck? I was like, what, 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 what is this? What, what is it for? It's so confusing. It's, I watched yeah. it on my Wii U. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, though, those um, Wii U screens, indestructible. As someone you know who likes to destroy things, not likes to, just happens to, uh, they, you can't break them, fuckers. How hard have you tried to break them? I haven't tried to break it, but I have dropped it a lot and, and dropped things on it, and I've never broke it yet. Fair enough. Is it like one of them oh. like YouTube videos where you drop an anvil on it? <laughs> See, no, like in my head, it's like that. But because it's like, it's not a glass, it's like a plastic screen. Like obviously it's meant for kids and idiots like me. So it is actually very difficult to break. But um, you opening the fridge and just instantly spilling a pint of milk all over it. Like, oh, oh, oh dear. Oh, like it was my glass of milk. <laughs> putting it in the oven instead of your chicken nuggets. Yeah, it like, happens oh, to Oh, dear, I put my Wii U in the oven again. Comes out, it's absolutely fine. It still works normal. Um, do you want to shoot your next one? Yeah. Give me a second. So I have three left. Seconds. Oh, what am I going to pick? Down to, I'd like to point out, if people don't remember, um, the films cannot be on the top IMDb 100 list and we haven't put them in order. I'm going to go with Superbad. Interesting. Explain. It's it's just... I think it's a genuinely funny film. It's like the... it's It, it, it does the same... In the same way it works, that in between his works, it's very... It's so believable. It doesn't seem like it. It's it's it. It lures you with its believability, and it just slowly makes it more, you know, 
insane. Well, I say insane, or the storylines become just a bit further out, but you're still on board with it. You're still... Yeah, like you're still trapped in it. Yeah. See, the last time I saw this film was when I was going, I think I was like maybe 14 or 15, and I was going through watching like all like the Stoner S comedy films. That's how I like describe them. And it's like all the ones with like James Franco and Seth Rogen, Pineapple Express, that sort of thing. I wasn't a fan, but I do. I genuinely think because back then I was like, oh, drugs, oh, look, sex, drugs, you're so cool. And I was like a proper little pretentious twat. And so maybe I didn't get like the humor and like didn't really take them on. So I remember not liking Superbad. But well, I think I, I would rewatch it. I think with my humor and a lot of people, a few people have said to me when I'm like, oh, I'm down, that's me. They're like, that's the most you esque film that you could go for. It, like the, the dialogue is very believable between friends and they are just, you know, it, just calling each other just horrible names that were acceptable in 2000s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's <laughs> what's the um, what's the end of the world one? Um, this is the end. That's the last one I watched, and I was like, it's good, but I was like, it's a bit over the top American humour, but I reckon Superbad's better. Well, Superbad was written by two guys while they were in high school, while they were that age. Mad. And then I think they they sat on it for years and years until they became too old to play the characters. Oh, shit. And I think they, they, they probably went through it again, made a few tweaks. But oh, so, so it's it's basically written by kids and directed by the grown adults. That is so cool. With with these breakout child actors like Jonah Hill. Yeah, it. it's got it's got like that whole sort of cast, hasn't it? With like Seth Rogen yeah. and shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, it does have. He's Seth a police Rogen, officer. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think well, was it Seth Rogen that wrote it? Can't remember. So I have a one well, now. Quickly, IMDb it, but I feel like it's got a plethora of uh, well-known names today. But yeah, because I finished my essays today, that I was going to watch a film tonight, and that might be the one. I, I would, I would give it. It a was one. written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Is that the guy black hair, isn't it? It's in a lot of stuff. I will click the name. Glasses, yeah. square yeah. jaw. Uh, probably. Oh, it's got Michael Cera, Sarah, Jonah Hill. Mad, yeah. Yeah, it has a lot a lot of like breakout actors. Bill Hader, Emma Stone, mm-hmm. Dave Franco. Yeah. See, I, I was I was put off all those types of films. So I haven't really watched them in a while, but I'll definitely give that a watch because I think that'll be it class. Is, it's really good. Uh, out of all those esque films, it's the best by a long shot. And Fair. It, it it has a lot of a lot of actors that like um even like you know, um there's a guy from Brooklyn nine nine, the best friend. Charles. Oh, Charles, he in it. Yeah, he's in it. He he's, he only has a small role, but it's it's so like like when like, when you first watch it, he just plays this like weirdo. You're like, what weirdo? And then after yeah. Brooklyn Nine Nine and getting so used to you know you you can't see actors any other character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into that with it, and then you go back and watch that, and it's like it's so it's like your brain just breaks. Oh shit! Oh, it, I'm I'm very excited to watch it, it then. It's, it's it's only like a minor role, but just watching him be this weird creep after watching him being such a nice do you reckon he, Do you reckon he could be the same character in both universes? No. <laughs> oh okay. No. And it, he he does this. This isn't really a spoiler. He does this really weird thing where he just like leans forward and like leans on his knees while he's standing, just looking at them. And he just makes <laughs> right. It's just it's just so weird and that out of place. But you you like you fully believe. 
this is just a weird guy and I just yeah. want to weird people that's all I want to do <laughs> yeah that, that, for anyone listening that is Barney's one pleasure in life I have to admit um should I move I'm going to move on to mine that's the one that I feel maybe least that I should have put on my list because it was between this and Scream, and I really, really like Scream, but I had to keep it up with the rom-com, so I've put on um, 500 Days of Summer. Have you seen this? I don't think so. Oh, is this so, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl film? Yes. So ah. this is sort of, yeah, like, it's supposed to be, like, sort of anti-rom-com. Basically, it came out, and a lot of people were like, yeah, like, I identify with the the main character, um, played by Joseph, Govin, Le- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and the whole point of it is that he's, like, the problem. But a lot of men, when they first watch this film, are like, oh, see, like, like I'm not that wrong. Like, look, and, like, the whole thing is that he's actually the problem character. It's, and- it's probably the same men that, you know, that um, relate to the, like Keith, Le- um, oh, Keith the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Like, people that watch Gladiator are like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> yeah. It's it's that sort of thing where they come out with them like, oh, she was a bitch. Like, so basically, the premise of it is, um, it's five hundred days of summer. He meets a girl, John Gordon, Joseph Gordon Levitt meets a girl who's my the love of my life, uh, Zoe Des- Deschanel. And they meet up and she tells him that he, she doesn't want a boyfriend. And they date a little bit and then he he wants to take it further, but she's like, no, I don't want a boyfriend. And then he like, morphs after her and all this stuff. It's a love story. It's just a classic rom-com. But when you first watch it, um, I feel like most men are like, oh, she's a bitch, she's this. But when you rewatch it, you're like, oh, yeah. The whole, she literally said from the beginning she didn't want a boyfriend. Like, none of it is her fault. And it was written, the like, the opening bit of it is basically the writer. Um, it was written by a guy called Scott. And it's basically a fuck you to his wife. Like, the opening thing is like, or maybe it's the ending shot. And it's like, I hope everyone like lives happily ever after except you, Jenny. Fuck you, Jenny. And that's, like, the name of his ex-wife. And, like, that's what the whole thing is, like, sort of based on. It's really, really funny. I absolutely love it. Like I said, it's sort of an anti-rom-com. I've only watched it a few times. See, one of my friends, when I came to uni, uh, because, obviously, I watched, like, Mamma Mia and La La Land with her, she was like, watch 500 Days of Summer, you'll love it. And I don't know why, but I had this preconceived idea that I didn't like it. But then as soon as I watched it, I was like, yeah, that's immediately one of my favourite films. Mm. It, it is one that I, um, every time I see someone talk about it, I, I, I want to watch it, but I never get around to watching it. Yeah, 100%. If I watch Superbad, you should definitely go watch 500 Days of Summer. It's so good. I will. I'll let you. Do you want to do your next one? I'll do another one. Is this my penultimate pick? This is your penultimate pick. What is the penultimate pick for Barney Machel of your top 10 films that aren't on the top 100 IMDb list? Ooh. I think I'm going to have to go with... He's trying to pick one that he hasn't already said because he can't remember. Well, this is, uh, I'm going to go just going to go with The Gentleman. Right, interesting. It's not a film that I've had much time to sit on and think about. Yeah. It's just a film that I've, I've seen I think it it's twice. been out almost an entire year now. Yep. And um, the first time I watched it, it blew me away. And then I watched it again when I was sober and it blew me away again. So I can actually follow the plot. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
Who is, was it? Guy Ritchie that directed it. Guy Ritchie, yeah. Who directed Snatch? Yeah. I remember the first time I saw Snatch, I loved it. I thought it was great. And then I watched The Gentleman. I thought that was great. I was like, man, I'm going to go and watch Snatch again because it was so good. Yeah. And watching Snatch after seeing The Gentleman is it doesn't hold a candle to it. Oh, really? The, gen- the Gentleman makes Snatch just look like more of like a proof of concept than anything. Wow, interesting. I've not gone back and watched Snatch. I you have watch watched The Gentleman five times. It's one of those films where I just kept accidentally watching it and I'm a little bit sick of now. Oh, I love it. Uh, what, the, uh, the thing I would say about The Gentleman, which it did, the, it's, this, it's done this the best out of any film ever I've seen. It makes all the characters, especially middle-aged white men, distinguishable from each other. Yes. You, you don't get any mixed up. Yeah, that is completely... You know Charlie Hunnam? Do you know where he's from? Oh, he's from uh, Toon Boy, isn't he? Toon? I, it might be Bora. I think I googled it. <laughs> oh, it's a Newcastle fair, fair, yeah. Like it's you can't tell his accent. Oh, no, it might, it might have been Sunderland. I can't remember. You know what? I'm gonna give it a Google because I've got a laptop. He is really good in it, though. He he's my favorite. I I fell in love with him. All all of the characters are really good in it, though. And all all the characters are distinct enough that you can you never get any mixed up. Charlie Hunnam from. Where was he born? Charlie Hunnam, where was born? Newcastle, fair enough. Well, okay, he's all right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I absolutely he's loved very well it. In this film, this entire film. He oh. is. And it's one of those films as well that had an absolutely fantastic trailer, but still didn't give it all away. I I completely wrote this film off when it was in cinemas because I yeah. saw it on a bus stop ad. And I was like, they, it's on a bus stop ad. They have, do you know, they were the luckiest people with marketing because they paid to have it on all the buses and stuff right up until the point where COVID hit. So if you look out today, there's still the gentleman on sides of buses. They have a year's worth of thingy because they're no one paid for it, so they just left it up. Mad. Mm. Yeah, they, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, they had a free year. Uh... <laughs> I, I, I just wrote it off after seeing, like, a sign on the bus stop with just I just had a picture of all the people like characters in it and I was like oh all those famous actors on a bus stop they're just trying to get as make as they're much just trying back. to shill any old shit out were, uh, yeah I thought it was like you know when you you go to the cinema and before, like um when they're playing the trailers they just yeah, have yeah. one they just have one like little interview it's a few minutes long just the um star actors begging you to go and watch the film <laughs> like, oh, well, my, I we have so much so much fun making this it's really this must incredible. be my favorite Really pushes the boundaries and filmmaking and and everything and you know uh, <laughs> and then it's the Charlie's Angels remake. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just some bullshit. You just feel sorry for them just there. <laughs> and then it's Doolittle <laughs> begging you to film. I just sort of heard you smack your mic there out of frustration. <laughs> I just said this fucking film. <laughs> But yeah, very, very good film. A good penultimate pick. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very well paced the whole way through. There's a lot of twists and turns, but it, it you you just roll with it and it, you it, you never get lost. Yeah, I have to say, considering I've seen it so many times, I do have to give it credit that I kept going back because you you it was the rewatchability is amazing. Mm. And it it would have been so easy just to make it overcomplicated and. Like hard to follow, but 
you like you 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 like you never question you know you never think oh what's going on now yeah yeah there's a lot of films where it's like like even let's talk about tonight with that i was constantly like okay what's happened did i just miss something all right i missed that bit of dialogue don't know what's going on this is as quick paced with the same amount of stuff happening yeah i understood it all sick Mm. absolutely sick it's on my top 10 list that is a good pick. I will go for my penultimate pick. I've got two left. And I'm going to go with being John Malkovich. Have you seen Ooh, that? I've, I've, oh, I haven't seen it, but I've, I think I've looked into it. I might be on my watch list somewhere. So for anyone who doesn't know, it was directed by Spike Jones, and it came out in 1999, and it's an American fantasy com- comedy drama. Uh, uh, it was written by Charlie Kaufman, who's just done the that new Netflix one. I'm thinking of ending things, and basically, it's it, it's very strange. It's incredibly strange. Um, it stars John Cusack, and Cusack plays a puppeteer who finds a portal to the head of John Malkovich. Do you know what the story is? No. So there's this puppeteer. He lives with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend's like a vet, and she has lots and lots of animals. So basically, he goes to work in this office, but when he gets to the office building, it's an in-between floor. It's like floor 2.5, and he's like, that's odd. So he gets there, and everything is half height. He's like crouching, but everyone's acting as if it's normal. And he finds this door, and when he goes through it, he goes into the head um, and body of John Malkovich, and basically it's just a mind fuck of a film, uh, and it's like a really interesting piece about like the soul, about um, consciousness, like all these different really like philosophical ideas, and it's one of the funniest, most heartwarming films I think I've ever seen. I'll check it out. Ten out of ten would recommend. It's like I've only seen it once, and yet it's still on my top ten list. It was that good. And like Charlie Coffin's done quite a good few films. I've enjoyed lots of his, so I knew it was going to be good. But yeah, and John Malkovich like, obviously carries it, but it's so funny and so sick. Like, yeah, won't spoil it, but that is my penultimate pick. Um, if you want to go into your final pick, Barney. Well, we did say these lists were in no particular order. Oh, I, I, I have saved the best to last. That is very, very good clickbait. And my. My favourite film of all time is Keith Lemon, the film. I and have I know that on DVD. Thinking. I have that I on DVD. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Surely that's the top 100 IMDb list, if not the top 10. <laughs> I'd start, I, I don't know if you're joking or not. Well, I, <laughs> I did check and... The Keith Lemon film is rated. Oh God! Bear with me. Bear oh. with me. Two point six out of ten on IMDb. <laughs> so I'm safe to put this in my list. And it has everything you could want from a film. Keith Lemon. Swimming trunks that are too small. I'm shaking my head. Um, bleached blonde hair. As someone who loved Keith Lemon and a lot of the things he does, the, I I can tell you that film was shit. <laughs> it was god awful. That was worse than the Harry Hill movie, and I also love Harry Hill. <laughs> what? Um, 
I will also admit this is this has been an elaborate. Ah, oh, he got I, us. I've never even seen Keith Lemon. <laughs> He's got. Yes, yeah, Sam. I don't have a DVD. I was just kidding. What the fuck? <coughs> but anyway, now I've got and got you good and proper. Oh, reeled you on. in. Hook, line, and sinker. Whoa. We should end the <laughs> podcast. But uh, my favourite film is Paddington 2. <laughs> <laughs> and as you remember last week, folks, I wrote the top ten list that I thought Barney would say, and Paddington 2 was my number one. Go ahead, give us an explanation why. Um, It's just wonderful in every single way. <laughs> it's wonderful, no film, it's beautiful, well, it's great. No, no film will ever top it, as far as I'm concerned. Any any budding directors just don't bother, to be honest. I was doing an essay today about how sequels are never as good as the originals, and the entire time I was biting my own tongue back because I had Paddington in the back of my head and Paddington too. Because Paddington is a good film. Yeah. There are a few daft bits that take you out of it a little bit. But and so, so I never bothered with Paddington 2 when it came out. And then I got it on Blu-ray, I think, or watched it on something. And... It was so perfect. It genuinely, takes, like, yeah. All jokes aside, takes, it genuinely is. Yeah. It, everything in Paddington 1 that didn't quite work and didn't... If, if, it, like, if it didn't land perfectly... They fixed it. it. Yeah. And, and just and everything that did, they just amp it up. It's a gorgeous film. It's, you know... Very um, well done. The CGI is amazing. Yeah. It's um, set in London and... It makes London seem like a very happy, friendly place where you want to go and visit. The costumes is amazing. A bit Wes Anderson-esque, I'd say. It is very pastel. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's great. It's got... Um, what, one of our favourite characters in the film is... Um, who's, who's the guy that just played Doctor Who? That's... Oh, no, um... Oh, bloody hell, how have I forgotten? It's a guy after Matt Smith. It's... How have I forgotten that? I don't know. I don't know how I've forgotten either. Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Peter he, Capaldi. He, just, he plays, like, the the angry, grouchy guy that lives on the street. Who like, you, I imagine you to be. Um, and he, he just really makes me laugh. He, he's just hysterical. <laughs> when I say hysterical... I hysterical Scottish funny. man. I mean, he's just this over-the-top character that just makes me laugh. He's just ridiculous. Um, but who really steals the show in Paddington 2? Go on. Um, also in Gentleman. I, 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 did, I was going to mention him, but I forgot to when you were talking about Gentleman. Um, I, I, his name escapes me. I am Googling it as we speak because it has also um, escaped I, I always get Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yep. Hugh Grant. You may remember him from any British rom-com. Notting setting. Hill. Between two, 1995 and 2008, you couldn't get avoid him. Probably, he, he he's been in so much like Notting Hill, Love Actually, Bridget Jones's Diary, music, music and lyrics. Probably my favorite about a boy. These are all off the top of my head. Fantastic. Only films. rivaled by Colin Firth. Fair enough. I am upset that um, Hugh Grant never made an appearance in Mamma Mia. Yeah, I pretty upset about that. Kind of, I, I think if you ask most people on the street, was Hugh Grant in Mamma Mia? Almost all of them would say yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but he 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 plays the 
the baddie in the film. And it's it's hard it's hard to hate him. It's hard to hate him. It is hard to hate him. He's another over the top, ridiculous character played very See, well. Stuck I stuck between. I think you want to be Pete Capaldi, and I also think you want to be Hugh Grant. What? I think you're stuck between wanting to be Peter Capaldi and wanting to be Hugh Grant. What do you mean stuck between? Well, I think you are the grumpy old man on the street. Who, who is the... <laughs> but yeah. I think you want to be the Hugh Grant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've never seen myself that way. That's, that's not how my mind's eye sees myself. I mean, it's a wonder how your mind sees it. I, I, I'm just, I'm just on the spectrum between keep Peter Capaldi. Definitely on the I, spectrum. I swing wildly. Definitely on the spectrum. In either direction. <laughs> um. Anyway, Hugh Grant, um, one of my alter egos, is um. He, he plays the baddie who is very camp and over the top. And in the there's a the, uh, a very good prison scene set in the film. Very um, good, very, very good. Goes to prison and then, um, you know, just makes everyone happy. Goes around, just cheers everyone up. He, and Hugh Grant, ends up locked in the prison in the end because he's a baddie. Spoilers. And he gets, and he gets his just desserts. Does he just deserves? I don't know. And, and I was getting confused. I don't know, but it's funny whatever you said. <laughs> um, um, oh, I've just realised I totally missed a lecture today. Sorry, carry on. I just looked. I just, that important. I just yeah. I just looked at my uh, just looked at my calendar. And it said lecture two till three p.m. and it's seven p.m. now. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Fuck. <laughs> um, at the end when he's he's locked up with all the other criminals, these hard toughened Londoners. Yeah. Um, he's there's there's just a musical dance number as a credits roll. Just how I think the prison system should be. Yep, I think I think in many places, I um, mean, Scandinavia, it is. Yes, I, I would agree. I've seen lots of stuff like that over there. You watch this film; it's basically a documentary on Scandinavia. And uh, an example on why we shouldn't be soft on crime. <laughs> but let, let's let's not get into that right let's now. Let's not get into that big rabbit hole right about now. But Paddington Two is the best film ever made. And so I would find it hard to disagree. Great. Genuinely. A lot of people refuse to watch it because they think it's a kid's film, but it's amazing. I don't I can't imagine anyone watching it and not liking it. That is fair. That is genuinely fair. Would you like me to go for my last one? Yep. I've gone for the almost opposite of Paddington being such a happy go lucky film. And I've gone with possibly my favourite film of all time. It's from the creator of Love Actually. And it makes me cry uh, my eyes out every single time. Can you guess it? Oh. I've said the word a few times. Oh, I, I don't know. Over the hedge. It's not over the hedge. I can tell you it stars Domhnall Gleeson and Rachel McAdams and Bill Nye. And a few characters. Bill Nye's been in a lot of the top ten films. Um, what's that film? Alex Dawnbreaker or something? Do you remember no. the film that, like, no. You know what I mean? Though, I know you? exactly the one you mean. No. It is not that one. about time. 
at the age of 21, Donald Gleeson, played by Tim, discovers that he can time travel in time and change what's happened and has happened in his own life. His decision to make a world a better place by getting a girlfriend turns out to be not as easy as you might think. And it's a story, like I just said, basically at the age of 21, Bill Nye is his father and he tells him that all the boys in his family have a special power, that if they go into the cupboard and clench their hands, and think about uh, going back to a certain time, they can go back in time and change events in history, whether this be simply going back to a nightclub and kissing the girl, whether this be um, a family member's in a car crash and they go back and prevent the car crash, um, like all different things like this. And it's it's a story of time travel, but it's mainly the story of a father-son relationship. And it's really sad. It's really, really them. Everything doesn't quite go to plan because it's like the butterfly effect when he goes back and changes one thing. When he gets back to the, his present, um, obviously a whole bunch of different stuff has already happened. I don't want to give any spoilers, but genuinely every time I watch it, I cry my eyes out. And yeah, that is my, I think that is my favourite film. Mm. Do you think when he found out this news that he thought about all his relatives that didn't go back and stop the Holocaust? Or 9-11? You could only go back your lifetime. Oh. Yeah, that well, is... His dad? Yeah. His dad, because... Um, sorry, I just blew my nose. I feel like if you had this power and you went back in time to kiss a girl, when you could have stopped horrific things from happening no but you have to think that if he's the dad so he goes back to september 10th he's still in england you can't like like space travel so you're still in england and you have to call up and say there's going to be an attack on the world trade center and they'll go no there isn't and when there is who are they coming to call yes we orchestrate (laughs) (laughs) they go who the fuck's all this guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 9-11 is a bad example. But yeah, so I can't remember the specific rules, but I think it's like um, you can go back in time, but it has to be within your lifetime. And yeah, like the effects that you do in this when you you don't live at it out again, um, but like you come back to your own time. I suppose you could live it out again, but there's lots of little things that you can do. It's a little bit like the movie Soul, where it gives you a little bit of a different perspective on life, and it gives you a, a different perspective on love. And there's a very good scene where he goes back and shags his girlfriend six times in a row. It's my favourite scene. Because he shags her, and it's, like, not very good. So he goes back in time, shags her again, it's a little bit better by the time, like, he does it. But for obviously for her, they only shag once in her timeline. So yeah. when he does it by the sixth time and he knows exactly what she likes, this is their first date. So he shags her like perfectly and she's like, holy crap. And it's really funny. It's really good. That is my... So, so does that mean there's like five alternate unsatisfied girlfriends? Well, you see, so this is the thing. It doesn't really go into alternative timelines. It's more... It's the exact same timeline, but every time you go back, if you do something different or change it, it changes the future. But obviously, if you go back and fuck it up, you can go back and undo the thing that you did. I, f- I know what you would do. What? You'd go back in time. And get the... And experience Mamma Mia in the cinema again on loop wow. until you die of old age. I don't know if you age. Oh, you must age, yeah. You, you would. You'd, you'd, you'd get to a point where, you know, 
ten-year-old Zach would walk out of my mirror, having seen it for the you know three millionth time, and step out in front of a bus because he couldn't take any more. I was gonna say go back and get the original villager and we fit uh, trainer amiibos. Oh, you already got a Wii Fit trainer. I thank you for bringing that up. I do have an original first print Wii Fit trainer amiibo. Thank you. Which you're using as a down payment on your first house. I will be. I genuinely will be. But yeah, like the whole, like anything you can think of about time travel aspect of it, the film does delve into. Like anything you can think, oh, I do this, or oh, can I do this? Like I don't want to give anything away because the ending is probably the most beautiful ending to a film I've ever seen. And I watched it with the same friend that recommended me Five Hundred Days of Summer. And I don't like to cry in front of people, and I bawled my fucking eyes out. Very, very good. Very, very, very good. Good to hear. What was it called again? It is called About Time. About Time. Is it on About Time. I think it's on Netflix. It's directed and written by Richard Curtis, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, I think it's on Netflix. But yeah, genuinely, absolutely fantastic film. Um, If you want a good good cry, that's that's a very good thing to, to watch. Or you could just watch the news. Or you could... (laughs) <laughs> or you could watch the news. Oh, it is on Netflix. It is. There you go. I, I, I have discounted this so many times. I never realised it was a good film. Is it? Oh, oh. Yeah. So it looks just like a generic rom com, rom com, doesn't it, it? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's probably the fall. Uh, the well, lucky the fall of it is because people think it's going to be generic. That's sort of the height of it as well. That when you do watch it, you're like, holy shit. But yeah, that that might be it's one of my favourite films. Notting Hill is fantastic. It's a classic. Hugh Grant as well. I, th- I think I keep seeing it up on the telly. Well, maybe that was just because it was. Yeah, when I went to look, I've I've visited like the proper Notting Hill, being the house and stuff, like a little tourist. Is and... the Notebook good? Notebook is pretty good. And that's one that apparently like that's like notorious for people crying to. I thought as a uh, rom com connoisseur, I did think it was pretty good. It's it's quite sad. Yeah. Bridget Jones' diary. Um, I was very young when I saw that one. Uh, but... And I loved it every second. <laughs> and I loved every life. second of it. No, it, it, it's good. It's is it, it? I think teenage girls. It's like their that that that's like their film. Have you seen Remember Me? I'm I'm just I I, I just um typed in about on Netflix and I'm scrolling down the list of films it suggested. Uh, Remember Me. What's the what's the the poster look like? It's Robert, what's his name? Guy from the, the, the new, but yeah, Robert Patterson. Um, nah, I don't think so. Love interest. Nah, I don't think I have. No, it's pretty. It's just like a, a spit weird, actually. He's have a, you seen it? Yeah. Um, it's Robert Patterson. It's like estranged from his father and blah blah. He's in New York, living it like slumming it, but not so slumming it. He's doing all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's he's like um. Post graduate, something or graduate and that's working in the uni. I don't know what he does. Yeah, something like that. And like, um, it's just the, about his relationship with his new girlfriend and a few people around him. And then in the end, he um, gets killed in 9 11. Oh, it's that film! Yeah. Oh, I've memed that film so much, yeah. So that's the film where it's just all a completely normal film. And then right at the last minute, it's like, and then he walked into work on September 11th. Yeah, the film pans out and like it ends on it pans out and he's like, because you see him looking out a window and it zooms out and you're like, oh, he's a World Trade Center. Fourth the foot. That's so weird. 
And then you see one of the, you see Tower Five collapse at the bottom as well. Do you actually? No. Oh, okay. That's funny. But if, but if you look at real footage, you will. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Right. Before we go full tinfoil shed with our conspiracy hats, that's been, I think, over an hour. Thank you so much for listening. Please give all the films a watch. I'll link them all in the description below. Follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We post clips on there sometimes, maybe not. Uh, the Instagram is the one we're going for. You can be one of the 100 people that we give a biscuit to. Thank you. I love you all. Got anything to say, Barney? Eat the rich. Eat the rich. And I will say a live, laugh, love one of Barney's classics, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>